Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Thank you so much for joining us again this week. We've been unpacking now for the last four weeks uh, a lot of concepts from the book of Revelation chapter 12 is where we're at. We're going to continue there just a little bit longer, maybe uh, this program, perhaps another one. Uh, one good thing about doing television is I don't have to get in a hurry because I can, if I don't finish it this week, I can do it again next week. And I know we get towards the end of the program and we get to going like a, uh, a steam engine or a freight train, get going fast, and you probably miss some of the pieces of it. And, but we come back and repeat usually enough that you'll get it one place or the other. If not, you can go back to our YouTube page and watch it on YouTube. Just simply go to YouTube and Google our name and uh, it'll bring up the uh, uh, That You Might Have Life page and with Dr. Lynn Howes. And you can watch everything we have aired to date is archived there. We've archived probably over 80 programs just on the book of Revelation. You can go and watch it chapter by chapter. And you can also get it on our iTunes and get the audio downloaded to your iPod. Or you can go to the RSS feed on our website and get it for your Android device. The simplest way to do any of that is simply by going to our website at www.lenhouse.com. That's on the screen. You can type that and a whole listing of our books, products, CD series are all there. And anytime you purchase those things, those are things that help us take the gospel around the world. I want to get in the Word, though, again today, uh, looking at uh, the 12th chapter of Revelation. I want to talk more today about travail uh, than anything out of this. But uh, there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. She being with child cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. His tail drew the third part of the stars of the heaven, did cast them to the earth. The dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. She brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up unto God into his throne. The woman fled into the wilderness where she had the place prepared of God that they should feed her there a thousand, two hundred, threescore days. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angel fought against the dragon. The dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the dragon, the great dragon, was cast out. That old serpent called the devil. Satan, which deceives the whole world, was cast into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused him before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows he has but a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, he was persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. And the woman were given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place where she is nourished for a time and times, and half a time from the face of the serpent. And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman, that he might caused her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now, I just want to talk about, uh, you know, today a little bit about travail. Now, we, I think we've already set the stage pretty powerfully that this woman is a picture from Genesis to Revelation. It's a great sign of the whole redemptive work of Jesus Christ who starts with in Genesis Eve, 
who is the woman who the promise is made to that the woman will have a seed and the seed will bruise the head of the serpent. We see throughout history how that there has always been a battle between the devil and the seed of the woman, whether it is in Exodus when uh, Pharaoh makes a decree to destroy all the seed, but God preserves a Moses. Whether it is Hannah or Sarah or any of these women who give birth to a seed who is ultimately destined to be deliverer, till we find its fulfillment in the life of the Virgin Mary, who was the great sign that Isaiah talked about, that a virgin, here's a sign, he said, a virgin will conceive and have a seed, and that seed will bruise the head of the serpent. His name will be called the Wonderful, the Counselor, the Mighty God, the Prince of Peace, the Everlasting Father. And then we see in the book of John last week, we shared with you how the sorrow of travail uh, would ultimately bring us to a place where uh, there would be another woman, which is the church, who would bring forth a seed, which is a man-child, a son. Romans 8 tells us that all of creation is groaning and travailing for the manifestation of the sons of God. One of the things that I see in Romans 8 especially is that you know the context is so very important because I used to teach Romans 8 from a whole different perspective. I was raised in a a group of, uh, you know, back in the 80s when uh, suffering was a big power, was a big message. And we thought the more we suffered, uh, the, uh, the more God would use us. And if we suffered enough, somewhere in the future, we would become sons. That really is an orphan mentality. And uh, he didn't come to make us orphans. He said, as a matter of fact, last week I shared with you John 14, I will not leave you comfortless, is a word that means I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. His intention was to make not servants, but sons. In the Old Covenant, we were servants. In the New Covenant, we're sons and heirs of God and joint heirs. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. It doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him like He is. And every man that has this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. That to me is not just a hope of one of these days He will come. It says when He shall appear, we shall be like Him. I believe every time He appears, it is His appearing to us that produces an appearing through us because we behold the glory of the Lord and we are changed into the self-same image from glory to glory even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So the hope of His appearing is a, you know, even the book of Revelation itself uh, is from the Greek word apocalypsis, which means to uncover or to unveil. When we hear the word apocalypse today, we think of bombs bursting in air, great catastrophes, and nuclear holocaust. But really that's not what the word means at all. It means to uncover or to reveal or to, uh, to, take, the, to take the veil back. What is being unveiled or uncovered in this hour uh, I believe is Christ in us the hope of glory. That what is being revealed is that Christ is not just living on a planet three miles south of Mars. He's living in a corporate people. It is a revelation of Jesus to us that produces a revelation of Jesus through us. So every time He appears, my hope is that what changes me is that uh, when He appears we shall be like Him because we're changed into the self-same image from glory to glory that uh, you know, that it goes on to say that every man that has this hope purifies himself even as he is pure. So the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit is to form Christ in us. 
Galatians, the fourth chapter, verse 19, the Apostle Paul said, My little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. This follows Paul's rebuke to the Galatians who are trying to go back up under law. We're going to talk about travail a little bit in this segment. The travail that was upon this generation, and see, we got to again come back to our time slot and our audience relevance. When Paul writes Romans 8, and he says, Romans 8, uh, he said, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed. For the earnest expectation of the creature waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. Actually, uh, in Romans 8, where he talks about travail, and he's talking about the manifestation of the sons of God, he said, all of creation is in travail now to bring forth. See, that's not something in the future. That was something that was upon that generation in the first century. I'll never forget a friend of mine. I won't say his name. Uh, he's, he's gone on to be with the Lord now. Great, great man of God in my life. But he was sharing with me one day when the message, especially of suffering, was really predominant. And he said to me, he said, Lynn, I don't, I don't think I'm part of the elect. I don't think I'm part of the sons of God. I don't, I don't know that I'm, I'm in the elect, so to speak. And I said, man, why do you feel that way? He said, because I'm not suffering. I said, what do you mean? He said, man, my, my church is going good. My marriage is good. The kids are good. Finances are good. My health is good. He said, I'm starting to think maybe I'm not part of the elect. And he's feeling dejected and, and he's feeling like he's not part of the elite, so to speak. He said, man, I was praying about it. And he said, I was walking my dog. And he said, about that time, he said, a clap of thunder hit, lightning peeled. He said, my dog took off running. It was a great Dane. He said, it took off running. What it did, it threw me down over the side of the curb of the street, busted my shoulder up, dislocated my, my arm, I broke my collarbone. He said, I laid there and said, Thank you, Lord. Thank you that I'm suffering. Now, see, I got to tell you, I think he would say that if he were here today. I got to tell you, that's just dumb. But we used to think that's the suffering God was talking about. The suffering Paul was talking about was the sufferings of persecution that was going on during this time of transition. Remember, these men are preaching a message. As a matter of fact, Paul was a part of a Jerusalem council that at one time had letters to destroy and plunder the goods of the people who were preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul becomes a convert and becomes the greatest apostle to the Gentiles of any of them. But you've got to remember that what's going on here is that these guys are not, are not you know, they're not the great, uh, if you will, uh, preachers that people revere today in the sense of they're hated because these men seem to be diametrically opposed to how they've been doing religion, or if you will, how they've been doing church for 1,500 years. Can you imagine? See, we're coming, you know, probably some of the things that I'm saying on the air are absolutely revolutionary to some of you. And to some of you, it probably at first makes you mad. And you probably think, we, well, we received some letters. Now, they've been very few because most of our response has been very positive. But people thinking we're, 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 you know, we're devils or we're enemies of God. Listen, I'm as sincere as you are. I think what I'm saying God has given to me, but you've got the human prerogative to eat the grapes and spit out the seeds. But I can tell you that we've undergone some persecution for preaching something that is not the normal of the day. And every group from, you know, I remember when there used to be great persecution when the Pentecostals started receiving the Holy Spirit. I, I remember when it wasn't popular for Pentecost 
apostles to be talking in tongues. Then I remember when uh, there was great opposition and people called them devils and everything else when the word of faith message came on the scene. And then uh, God began to add to that the message of grace and people start saying, oh, this is demonic. It's doctrines of devils and everything else. And now I'm preaching the gospel of the kingdom and probably people are saying that about us. Yet to saying to you that our suffering in this day of people not liking us or writing hate mail compares nothing to what these men were going through in this hour because the travail that they were in uh, was much more birth pains. God was giving birth to a new covenant. And what Paul was saying is their suffering of this present time. He said, listen, folks, I've been beaten. I've been let down over walls and baskets for dead. I've been stoned. I've been put out of people's company. I've been spent a night and a day in the deep. I've been sheep shipwrecked. I've been bit with snakes. I've been hated among false brethren. And what he's saying is, listen, you got to see that as the context. Because what they're doing is standing up for the gospel, and it's not nearly as popular. It was not. Let me say it like it was not nearly as popular. Matter of fact, it was not popular at all in the ears of the religious dudes and the high priest and the Sanhedrin and the Romans. They're being persecuted on every side. And yet Paul would stand and say, but I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that's about to be revealed. Because creation itself is about to be brought into the glorious liberty of the sons of God. Now remember, if you listen, what liberty are we talking about? We are talking about they were moving from law into grace. And so this glorious liberty that creation itself was about to be brought into, Paul said, listen, there's some things, if I could say it like this to paraphrase, there are some things worth dying for, and freedom is one of them. And that's why he goes on to say in Romans 8, that same chapter, we're delivered, we're like sheep to the slaughter. Uh, all the day long, we're delivered unto death. And, and he goes, goes on to say, but there's nothing that's able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful to these men and women of God who are in the greatest travail and the day of birthing of any generation before or after. And I'm not saying there's not birth pains in our lives now as God gives continual birth. But what was being birthed in this hour was God was giving birth to a sonship, and God was giving birth to a creation that was about to be brought into a glorious liberty called New Covenant Freedom. It was for freedom that Christ set us free, and that was the travail that was upon them. Now let me, get, let me read a few other things. Isaiah 54 says this, verse 1, it says, Sing, O barren, and thou that didst not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, thou that didst not travail with child, for more are the children of the desolate than of the married wife. Uh, I put in my notes, this singing is a result of understanding what happened in Isaiah 53. It also is a result of understanding the new covenant. Now, let me say to you that they're singing, sing, O barren, and you that did not bring forth. In the context of Isaiah 53, Isaiah 53 said he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was laid upon him by whose stripes we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. We've gone everyone into his own path and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquities. All of that happened in Isaiah 53. And then he opens Isaiah 54 and says, single barren. In other words, if what happened 
at the work of the cross and what Jesus did in Isaiah 53, being wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquity. See, our, our suffering is the, the suffering that we have not been redeemed from is when men shall say all manner against us uh, falsely, when they persecute us for righteousness sake. But what we have been redeemed from, we have been redeemed from sin, from sickness, from poverty, and from death. So what Jesus already paid for for us, we don't have to pay for again. So that's not the kind of suffering that you and I need to suffer. We've been redeemed from that suffering. We've been redeemed from the curse of the law. We've been redeemed from the fear of judgment. We've been redeemed, as, as, like I said, he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement so I could have peace was laid on him. God, hallelujah, so loved the world that he wrapped himself in human flesh and came and took the destruction that belonged to you and I. Now, if that don't bring you into the next chapter where we ought to sing O Baron, in other words, if that don't jerk a praise up out of you, if that doesn't jerk a song up out of you, he says, if you get an understanding of this and you sing this song, God says in Isaiah 54, for this is as the waters of Noah to me, I will never be wroth with you again. And then he begins to declare a new covenant I'm going to make with the house of Israel. See, what jerks a praise up out of you and what brings us into a song where we can sing and begin to give birth. He said, sing, O barren, and you that did not bring forth and that, that the one uh, cry aloud, you that did not travail with child. For you, for more are the children of the desolate than she that has a married wife said the Lord. In other words, this new covenant is what's going to cause you to be able to sing and to bring forth uh, what, what God has given, uh, what God has ordained. Isaiah 66 verse 8 says, Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such a things? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. See, I'm telling you this entire prophecy. He said, you know, uh, the earth is about to bring forth. He said, you know, uh, when Zion travailed, she'll bring forth. Zion in the new covenant is speaking of the new covenant. I, Hebrews, the 12th chapter says, for you did not come to blackness and darkness. You did not come to fear and trembling. You did not come to a God who said, if you touch the edge of the mountain, you will be thrust through with the dark. That, ladies and gentlemen, was Mount Sinai. And Hebrews 12 said, you did not come to that mountain. Then he switches gears and says, but you are come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, and you've already come to a numerable company of angels and to the general assembly of the church of the firstborn. You've already come to the spirits of just men made perfect. So that Zion in the new covenant is a picture of the new covenant mountain of God. For we didn't come to Sinai. In contrast to what? You came to Zion. So when Zion travails... She brings forth children. What I'm seeing, man, is that this period of time in human history was a time of great travail when they were bringing forth a son, if you will, a corporate son. This man-child was being birthed. A messianic uh, age was being birthed, and they were bringing forth, uh, I, I believe, uh, children destined to reign. Let, let me just get you this real quick. Man, there's so much, and it just seems like I run out of time so very quickly. But I want to read to you, if I can, from Galatians, uh, the fourth chapter. And I'm going to read to you from the Amplified Bible. Uh, this is so very, very powerful to me. It says,
It says, for as it is, this is verse 22, Galatians 4, Amplified Bible, for it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the bondmaid and one by the free woman. But whereas the child of the slave woman was born according to the flesh and had an ordinary birth, the son of the free woman was born in fulfillment of the promise. Now watch that. Isn't that powerful? The son, she had two, Abraham had two sons. One came from a bondmaid and one from a free woman. The one that was born of the slave woman was born according to the flesh and had an ordinary birth. Natural descent. The son of the free woman was born in fulfillment of the promise. Now all this is an allegory. These two women, watch this, these two women represent two covenants. One covenant originated from Mount Sinai where the law was given and bears children destined for slavery. This is Hagar. Now Hagar is, stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia and she corresponds and belongs in the same category with the present Jerusalem for she is in bondage together with her children. Now what Paul was saying is that this, these two women, Hagar and Sarah, are an allegory. They're a picture of two women. Sarah, or Hagar, I'm sorry, is an allegory that corresponds to Jerusalem that now is. Paul was saying, listen, Hagar, or the Jerusalem that now is, the one that was about to be destroyed by the Romans, the one that was about to be trampled underfoot by Roman armies, he calls that same Jerusalem right there at that period of time. Remember, this is audience relevant. And he's talking to these people right here, and he said that, that the Jerusalem which now is corresponds to and belongs to the same category with this Sinai in Arabia, which is Oka, for she is in bondage together with her children. But Jerusalem above, that is, the Messianic kingdom of Christ, is free, and she is our mother. For it is written in the scripture, Rejoice, O barren, who has not given birth to children. Break forth into a joyful shout, you who are not feeling birth pains. For the desolate woman has many more children than she who has a husband. But we, brethren, are children, not by physical descent. We're not the natural seed. We are, but we children are, we, brethren, are children, not by physical descent, as was Ishmael, but like Isaac, born in virtue of the promise. Yet just as at that time the child of ordinary birth, according to the flesh, despised and persecuted, him who was born remarkably according to the promise and the working of the Holy Spirit, so it is now also. But what does the scripture say? Cast out and send away the slave woman and her son, for never shall the son of the slave woman be heir and share the inheritance with the son of the free woman. So brethren, we who are born again are not children of a slave woman, the natural, but of the free, the supernatural. What he's simply saying is, if you are still under an old covenant, you are in Hagar, you're in the natural Jerusalem, you're in the natural old covenant scene. And he goes on to say that that Jerusalem that was right there was and is in the same category with Hagar and is Mount Sinai in Arabia, which is old covenant Jerusalem. But you're not in old covenant Jerusalem, you're in new covenant Jerusalem, the messianic kingdom of God. And you got there by supernatural birth, just like Isaac, you came just by supernatural birth in fulfillment of the promise. And since you are, he goes on to say that what's going to happen is that the, the, one, the, that the, 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 that the one who is going to bring forth, even according to Isaiah 54 and Galatians chapter 4, is seeing old barren. He's not talking about just some lady out here who have never had kids. He's saying, sing, because it doesn't look like you in the new covenant have brought forth fruit. But I'm telling you that many more are the children 
of the desolate, the seed that has a married wife. And what he was talking about is, is that there's a new covenant coming that's going to cause a song and a travail and a birthing that's going to give birth to a new covenant seed of God. Let me just say to you that uh, he also... Uh, let me just get, get this verse. There's so much more, and I'm going to come back. I think what I have to do is come back and do at least one more segment on this. But Matthew 19, uh, verse 28, when the disciples were asking him, Lord, uh, grant from one to sit on your right hand and one to sit on your left. Jesus turns around and begins to talk to these guys. He says, Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, in, this is the Amplified Bible, Matthew 19, verse 28. Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, in the new age, that is the messianic rebirth of the world. When the Son of Man shall sit down on the throne of His glory, you who have become my disciples, sided with me, my party, and follow me, will also sit on twelve thrones and judge the twelve tribes of Israel. These, the, the, this to me is so powerful. Isaiah 26 is like as a woman with trial draweth near the time of her delivery is in pain and crieth out in her birth, so have we been in thy sight. We have been with child, we have been in pain, we have as it were brought forth wind, and we have not wrought any deliverance of the earth, neither have the inhabitants of the earth fallen. That was, Isaiah 26 was the false woman who all she brought forth was wind. She didn't bring forth any deliverance in the earth. I'm telling you, wind speaks of doctrine. I'm telling you when you're the false woman, all you bring forth is doctrine. You bring forth wind. But I'm telling you there's a woman in the earth called the church that has brought forth and is continuing to bring forth sons and daughters of God who are destined to see creation brought forth into a glorious liberty and that glorious liberty is the glorious liberty of living in a new covenant reality. That ought to make you sing and shout unto God with the voice of triumph and be able to stand and say, hey, uh, we were barren, but there's a new covenant. And since there's a new covenant, we're not, barren, in, we're not uh, barren any longer. We're singing because we're seed of promise and we are in fulfillment of that promise. And this is not a fruitless gospel. It is producing something. There is a people that Christ is being formed in. Paul said, of whom I travail again until Christ be formed in you. That's my prayer for you today. We're about to run out of time. Wow, it goes by so quick. Let me just say, uh, take a moment to call the number on the screen again. If you need prayer, there's somebody standing by. But uh, Take a moment to write to us. Let us know what you think. I hope you're understanding what I'm saying. I'm really trying to make it as simple as I know how to, but it's so difficult to unpack in just 30-minute segments. But we appreciate your cards and letters. Write to us. Let us know. Hit us on Facebook. Uh, tell your friends about us, and uh, uh, we're catching on, and we are making a difference. If you'd like to become part of something big, call that number on the screen and sow something into the ministry to help us continue to take the gospel of the kingdom around the world. We love you. God bless you for joining us. For anyone struggling to understand John's writings in Revelation, this book provides true, biblically-based answers. Through detailed insights into the letters John wrote to the seven churches of his day, you will learn how to avoid the mistakes of the early church to overcome today's trials and tribulations. This book will provoke you to thought and dialogue, bringing greater clarity and revelation of Jesus Christ.